You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, whatever part of the world you are tuned in from. This is Funny Like a Clown Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Worth. March 16th, 2021, finally getting out of that year 2020 that we all want to forget. This is episode 102, and as always, this episode is brought to you today by G Vegas Buffalo Sauce. For the spicy, sweet, savory taste of game time, there's only one G Vegas available at www.gvegas.webs.com. Go there, get it shipped right to your door. You don't want to go out grocery shopping in this pandemic. You want food shipped right to your door. When you're ready for the game the Patriots are making some big news uh, you have some good buffalo wings and what better way to make them than with G Vegas buffalo sauce today we are paying tribute we do comedy here and if you're on the Boston comedy scene there was never a more loved comedian than Mr. Bob Seibel and here to pay tribute uh, I have another loved comedian Thomas Hayes welcome to the show wow well that was a mu- no, I'm just curious seriously what how do you spell G Vegas uh, G then dash V E G A S. All right, we got a new customer right there from the podcast. But uh, <laughs> uh, yes, I I am so excited by this. Uh, you you put it succinctly. The most probably the most loved comedian universally across not only the audiences but the comedians themselves, and that is no easy task. Not on the Boston comedy scene. It's not easy. Oh. It's it's a it's a dog eat dog world, and there's oh. a lot of hate out there. You're either a loved or you're a hated comedian by by oh. you know fifty percent of the in your circle you're loved, and outside of your circle you're the competition. But there's few who can ride that line and be in every circle in comedy and have everybody love them. And Bob is certainly one of them. Well, you know, it was because he was loved. I mean, he he kind of looked through that. Not that. Not that he didn't target a few people, not so much the comedian, but, uh, say the, the booking agents or the rooms, uh, you know, and he, uh, not to, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, when he passed, uh, a comedian who was so good to him in the end, who became basically his chauffeur when he was going for his chemo and visited, brought meals, uh, you know, said, uh, called me the day after he died and said, Never a bad word about anyone. And I said, uh, I don't think you know the same guy I do. <laughs> <laughs> so he had his moments. Yeah. And, uh, but, but yes, yes. Uh, overall, I he was a love guy, though. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, overall, he was a love guy. I mean, everybody, no, nobody doesn't have any enemies in life, nobody who doesn't like him. But, I mean, for every one guy, you know, that didn't like Bob, there were ten that loved him. Well, he had this giving spirit, you know. Um, you know, why don't, is there a way we can play one of the cuts that uh, I submitted yesterday? Yeah, do you want to start off with that, or do you want to yeah, say it to the you end? Can grab, yeah, I think we can, if we uh, jab it too long, we may lose interest, but I think if we uh, show them firsthand, uh, in his own words, uh, what he was about, 
Um, I don't know what order you kept them in, but anyway. All right, well, let's play one of them, and then when it gets done, you can tell us what it's all about. How's that sound? Yeah, All right, here we go. Let me get one going here. And, uh... Plus, we spent an hour and a half so far. Wow. Yeah, I mean, not privately. (laughs) We, in public, please, let's not bring back the bad frustrations of our trips to Europe. (laughs) You have your life, I got my life. You go your way, I'll go my way. I I wouldn't bring it out in public, Tom. I got a career. I was hoping that we would get, and today, hopefully, we will get to Europe. Yeah. And a great time we had in Europe. Yes. But, um, <coughs> it so sad. I saw you on the bridge waving. <laughs> One of me. No. So, uh, well, let's talk about what we were just talking about. You saw, you were in Vegas and you just saw a gal with a great sign. You said, Oh, God, true story. Yeah, if you go to Vegas, you walk the strip and then they have bridges that attach the streets. And I said, I was there for five days, and uh, a hooker finally dropped the piece of me. I was so sad. It took five days, and I was game. I thought, give you a hundred if you make love to me and tell me I'm good. And look, it's giving a hundred back to him. She said, I can't do it, honey. I'm a hooker, not a hypocrite. I don't see the humor here. I don't see the humor. All right, so tell us about that, Cliff. <laughs> you know, the... Uh, the I think the beauty of what we're doing today is we're just uh, catching him in. And I was so fortunate to uh, grab three hours of him in a uh, studio, a cable studio. And we just went off. And the the staff was great. It was a brand new studio. Um, I'll even give a plug for it. It was the Acton Studio. So anybody's got a chance to record there, take it. uh, State-of-the-art stuff. And I think it was a three-camera shoot. And they just did a phenomenal job, you know, focusing on him, et cetera. And so uh, I just let him run. And that's the beauty of what we'll hear today is that this man was always on, always. Sure. Uh, he, he didn't know the difference between the stage and, you know, Real life, out. right, yeah. Um, and so <laughs> what he had done there is uh, we had... He made reference, I think, right away to a trip that we took that changed my life. I spent about a week, I think a week and a half with him in Prague, Czechoslovakia. I don't know, God, it has to be 20 years ago. Oh, so and, I thought he was joking. You actually did take a trip with him then. Oh, yeah, that, oh, okay. that part is not a joke. Oh, yeah. we. Uh, it, was an, it was an epic, it was a world life-altering week. And, and if I had to, I think I'm... And I'm embarrassed to say this in that I have beautiful loved ones, my children, my family, uh, relationships. But if I had to pick, if God said, you got one week to relive, what would you do? And I'd say, take me back to Prague with Bobby Seibel, because every single day was side-splitting. It was the comic movie of all comic movies with just two it was a road show well they say like the real life stuff is so much more funnier than a routine any routine you could make up and write you know so i mean he was just real life funny there was no routine with bob it was just who he was well what uh will help the the, uh audience understand he was the ultimate character the ultimate juxtaposition he was cheap as can be He pinched every penny till it screamed. Okay. And, and and at the same time, a hypochondriac. Okay. So 
give you an example. He would uh, call me one day, excited as can be. Uh, he was in, in his late fifties, and he said, "Tommy, I just scored a big one." He said, "Lynn Medical just gave me a free colonoscopy." <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wouldn't wanted, want to pay for one of those, eh? He's, at this point, he's not joke writing. He's being Bobby Seibel, and he's 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 laying it out in front who he is, and and I'm like, you got to be kidding me, you know? But I'm saying, why'd I go with it? And he goes, I said, really, Bobby, you're excited about? It? Yeah. He goes, you know what these things cost? <laughs> so, so how, how long did you know Bobby for? How long were you guys friends? Oh. Uh, we got we met you know when comedy was taking off what in the uh, late the uh, mid 80s i guess yeah. uh, i remember the first time i met him was in <laughs> uh was was in uh, a, a show we did down it was a bowling alley in brockton in those days you worked every single night any night you wanted to work you could work those were and, days, there wow. were so many clubs yeah so it was hot comedy was at that time the disco that the 70s were, comedy right, was right. the disco of the 80s. So I met him in a bowling alley, there was a bunch of comedians, and I... So were you <laughs> on the show me. together, or were you just hanging out, or...? Just hanging out, I mean, I just showed up, and there were like three or four comedians on the on the set. Okay. On the, you know, doing a set. Yeah. And uh, I walked in, I had come in from a bad day at divorce court. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate so, to that. <laughs> so you know the deal. I know the deal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So I wasn't in the best of moods, and uh, so I walked in bitching about some decision the judge made or what. This and he looks at me. He really didn't know me, and he just looks at me. and Goes, "You're angry." <laughs> <laughs> you had that look on your face, huh? <laughs> well, the irony was, a couple of years later. <laughs> He went through a divorce. Oh, then he could relate to that angry face, huh? Well, I was able to return the favor. I looked at him and said, you're angry. Yeah, you look a little angry, too. I wonder why. Well. So so if you have this uh, juxtaposition of being cheap and a hypochondriac, and it ran the, the, the whole course of his life, right. he... Uh, <laughs> He, he did. He counted it. We were walking down uh, some street in Prague, and uh, you know, I, I he was driving me crazy because he was so cheap. And uh, I said, well, you know, Bobby, you know, we're in Prague. He, he said to me one day, "Let's get a for lunch. Let's get a coke. And, let's get a coke and a pizza. A buck and a buck and a half." <laughs> he said, "Bobby, we're in Prague." We're in Europe. Yeah. We're, in we're in the Czech Republic. <laughs> I think we we get a, a a dollar and a half pizza anywhere. And uh, let's eat so, some and, cultural and said, meals. Yeah, I said, come on, we got We can splurge. I said, I'll buy. I'll buy. And I said, you know, you worry about money. I don't care about money. I said, oh no 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 no. I said, you care about money more than anybody. I said, you don't care about making it. I says, but you damn well watch every dime that leaves your, <laughs> your fingertips. Right. And it, which leads me to another one. He, he, what, he held on to his home line phone forever, refused 
to get a cell phone. Didn't want the technology. What? what no, more than that. He didn't you know, confuse you at that age, yeah. If you know, you're not ready well, for something new like that, yeah. Well, but there was the other factor, the money. He didn't want to spend no, the well, extra yeah. money. If he was so, cheap, you don't want cell phones, sir. Yeah, so, so as a comedian, as a businessman, you're going to love this story. So finally he breaks down. I get a phone call. I just got a cell phone. So I said, it's great. And, uh, yeah, but I'm getting rid of uh, the house phone. I said, Bobby, Bobby, do not do that. Why? I said, Bobby, how long have you had the home phone? Oh, about 30 years. I said, right. I said, how did you get all your shows up to date? The house phone. I said, right, Bobby, Bobby, you don't. It's 25 bucks a month. <laughs> so, so I said, Bobby, you do not want, I said, one show just one phone call to do one show is what three four hundred bucks and and i said so don't do it losing all your don't. contacts right <laughs> yeah you, you know what he says i can't take that chance <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah well the the first I time I met him was, uh, now I was a young comic coming up. I met him, he was on the Steve Katzo show, which was a local television show that did hit nationally, but he was headlining the show. I was the warm-up comic for the show. And I went in and, you know, you could feel the buzz in the room. You know, Bobby Seibel's coming. I wonder what he's going to do. You could just, I, I don't know how to explain it. You had to actually be in the room to just see the buzz in everybody's eyes. Bobby's going to be here. What's Bobby going to do? And uh, I did okay. I mean, you know, I didn't do great. The audience, you know, they clapped. They were appreciative of me. But Bobby, he just went up there and crushed it. And I could see, you know, like, you know, you, you know, just to look at everybody's eyes, you know, but Bobby Seibel's going to be here. And you can't say that about a lot of comics. Well, again, you know, his genius was there was no separation between the stage and street life right. so he comes in and he's just being himself so he doesn't get up and try no you know you and i a normal comic that a street personality is different than a stage personality and some some tweaking at least so you've got to prepare you got to size up the audience you got to what in the end the mood for but not him he was just right. himself was just... so this this guy i mean just as you heard from that clip you know, he's in Vegas, and uh, it's a week, it's five days before a hooker hits on him. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says to her, uh, okay, let's go. He says, just tell me you love me. And then she says, uh, well, I can't, I, I'm, a, I'm a hooker, not a hypnotist. <laughs> <laughs> or a therapist, whatever she said. And she gave him the money back. I mean, that... That's that's his mind always working. Right. Uh, you don't hit the so, stage and say, "Okay, it's time to turn it on." Well, he was always on, you know. Always, always, and uh, uh, you know. But his life was his his comedy with his his unconscious life. That that again, that juxtaposition of cheap um, and I'm a hypochondriac. I mean, it was he was something out of a Woody Allen movie or out of Seinfeld. He was like the ultimate Kramer, uh, uh, except you know much more loved. But he uh, he said to me, he always was amazed by me, <laughs> and uh, in that you know I lost my leg at the age of thirteen, and you know had a prosthesis and limped around, and it never and slowed it, you down. Uh, you know, Jesus, you're my hero. You're my hero. You, you had cancer and you beat it. He goes, <laughs> and he says.
Tommy again in Prague. You know, Tommy, and he's talking about canceling. I know I got it. I just can't find the freaking thing. (laughs) (laughs) And, And sadly, ironically, he, he, chased it down he was always in the doctor uh doctor's office looking for cancer and unfortunately at the end and it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy right you know that's that's what happened i'm a sam kennison fan he did so many jokes about drunk drivers and ironically he was killed by a drunk driver like wow you know Right. Kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. Careful what you put out there. You got to yeah. be careful what you say. Now, he, he, was, he was at the top of the Boston comedy game as a local comic, okay? But I mean, have you ever worked with some of these young comics? Like, right off the bat, they hit the big time, and you're like, you know, I've been doing this forever, and I don't get an opportunity like that. Like, some people hit it off the bat, and some people, they do this forever to just to grab the big stage. But wasn't he a comic? Don't you think he should have been, like, bigger on a national stage rather than just a local one? Well. <laughs> I have the answer. Okay. <laughs> and, and it was all, uh, I have a sense that a lot of, the, the people who really make it know the secrets of success. For example, let's let's be honest, Seinfeld, the richest comic around, right. worth over a billion. Yep. The funniest guy, not even close. Nope. Not even close. Play better rules, though. That'll get you ahead. <laughs> right, but what does he think of himself? Everything that he does exudes success. The way he dresses, the way he, his appearance, the way he talks. And so he he just, I mean, even from his earliest days, when he showed up on the Carson show, he was dressed to the nines. You know, be- beautiful suit, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And again, just observational stuff, nothing genius. And, uh, and yet he had, just had that it factor, and likable, et cetera. But, was not going to screw up. I mean, we know a lot of other comedians who are way funnier who blow it. You know, they, they do drugs, they yeah, get right. involved in sex scandals. You know, lifestyle. You know, we know who we're talking about. Right. And you're, you're like, you, you idiot. You're at the top of your game. But they, they can't accept it. So many people can't. It's one thing achieving success. It's another thing to maintain it. It's the pit holes. They fall into the pit holes of comedy. Yeah, exactly. You know. And you're going to have person after person. So that young guy that makes it, well, let's see. You know, uh, I think, you know, uh, there was a guy named, his last name was Cook. <laughs> you know, where, where did he go? You know, uh, you, you know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he paid tribute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dane Cook, yeah, I mean, sure. He was, he was the rage. He was the talk of, but... You know, well, nobody stays on top forever. I mean, the biggest well, comics in the I business. Don't know. I mean, you know, when you look back at the um, at the original guys, you know, when you look like the, at the Jack Benny's and the uh, 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 George Burns, I mean, uh, Bob Hope, those guys went into their hundreds. Uh, you know, maintaining yeah, because I mean, you know they were businessmen as well as that was a different time though, a different era too. I mean, nowadays you always got the next young comic just. just well, just, I think. I think if uh, Robin didn't, you know, uh, you know, do, do what he did, right. Robin Williams would still be. Sure, uh, there's the exceptions to the rule. George Billy Carlin, Chris, Richard Pryor, I mean, sure. Steve, Steve Martin could come back at any time and do, if they're Billy Crystal, you know, these are the guys that um, that don't fade. Because, you know, they they have high hopes. They have high... They well, they had them. resurgences, too. They had their ups and downs in their career. I mean, there's no saying Dan Cook can't make. I mean, it, it's such a tough grind, I think. He's done so much, he wants a break after this point, you know? Right. Well, he... Uh... 
Well, he and he puts. Let's go. Let's go back into the personality. He had one, <laughs> one uh, audio video cassette. It, you know, it was the days before DVDs. All right. Yeah. He had one. Not not. He didn't do one, and then print off a bunch of them. He had one. And <laughs> it was filmed on a cruise ship with the worst camera that probably ever existed. Probably one of the tourists had a camera, right? Old Betamax <laughs> or something? <laughs> the, the lighting sucked. Yeah. <laughs> the ship is rocking and rolling. Okay. <laughs> He's staggering around on the stage trying to, trying to, trying not to fall off the stage. Oh, boy. Okay. The sound was horrible. Horrible. <laughs> but he... But this was his promo. This was his and demo then, tape. Okay. And so he would send it out. So if if a, if a booker was interested, he would send it out and then demand it back. Oh, geez. You got to send that back to me. He would call. Call. Where's, where's my tape? Where's my video cassette? <laughs> I guess their top priority is mailing that back to Bobby, right? Well, he, one day he came to visit me early in the morning, and he had gone to a, an AA meeting, and uh, he, he, and he made no secret about that. He talked about it all. In fact, if when we play another, uh, you know, bit there, we'll, sure, I'm sure he's going to be mentioned in the alcohol. And uh, so he came. It was an AA meeting. It's about nine o'clock in the morning, and I said. Uh, uh, come on in, I'll cook your breakfast, you know. Oh, I gotta go. So where the hell are you going at 9 o'clock in the morning? He goes, I gotta get back to uh, Lynn Union Hospital. He had, again, uh, when he would throw his birthday parties, like every five years, yeah. throw, like the 60th, 65th, 70, he had 300 guests. 300 wow. people. How many people have 300? Yeah, who's got 300 friends? I'm lucky I got five. Wow. Okay, and he would entertain them. He would buy Chinese food. He right. would get a, a, a twenty-piece band, jazz band. He would get the uh, acapella group from the North Shore. Uh, he, he, you know, paid for the hall. It easily cost him three or four grand for a guy that watched every penny. Yeah. He just blew it. So he says. So he, <laughs> in his entire life, he um, he was always in the hospital. Not him in the hospital he was visiting people in the hospital who were dying oh and okay. it, it always said I go, no, he had I'm a big heart go. he was known for having a big heart yeah yeah i gotta go visit this guy i gotta go visit that guy so i said well where are you going he said i gotta get back to lynn union i said you are no not me he says i got a buddy who's dying he goes, so i gave him my video cassette you gotta get it back i think it's good I think it's keeping him alive. And so I said, well, mm -hmm. I don't get it. Well, last night I went to visit him and he looked, he didn't look good. So I said to the nurse, I said, oh, you know, I hate to ask you this, but uh, how long do you think he's got? <laughs> the nurse said, I don't think he'll make it through the night. So, so he was sleeping. So I went back in and I opened up his drawer, you know, the nightstand and and I took the video. <laughs> oh, gee. I said, so? Well, I just called her. He's still alive. <laughs> that did it. 
Well, before he misses it, right? <laughs> he had it all planned up. All right. <laughs> and none of that is made up. That's the uh, that's the real. You want to play another video here? Yeah. Let's all right. Let's play this. another one. Yeah. Let's see what we got here. Bobby at his best here. <clears throat> 33 years of screaming through the mic, not into the mic, you know. Because I haven't got the capacity. I don't know if you notice, I'm a big loud person over there that thinks if I can. But I uh, I won a few singing contests in the early 60s at the Irish American Club in Everett. Everett, yeah. Irish American. Uh, yeah, I think it was that. And I won one night. I was half in the bag, and I went up and sang a... I used to love Joe Williams when he sang with Basie. Oh, yeah. Well, all right. Well, okay. Well, you win. Well, I'm in love with you, and I got it done. And people went, wow, guy's good. And then about a month later, they sent me a, a postcard, and you are qualified for the finals. Now, the nerves, because I wasn't prepared to do it. I just went up and go, hey, he's got a good voice. Put him up. So I'm like, oh, my God. And the finals, are on. it's coming up. And so, so I worked at the General Electric and Lynn, so I took... And I left after lunch, I told my supervisor, I, 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 I gotta do this, I'm nervous, I gotta go. So I started drinking around three in the afternoon. <laughs> so needless to say, um, by the time the contest began, um, I was uh, kind of rubbery. Who's <laughs> I'm not putting you on. And they, they, they had one act, a little kid singing, then they had, not a little kid, about 20, whatever. And then I was 23 or something. And now, from when the uh, finalists from last month are Bob Seibel. And I'm on, I staggered on that stage. And there was a four five piece band. And the guy on the reed was setting me up. What the hell? So they, they hooked me. I went off stage. But now I'm, I'm mad that I didn't get my chance in my mind. I'm still doing, I'm singing like Tony Bennett up there. I am right, obnoxious. And so, they throw me, I'm in a chair, and at, toward the end, I'm, I'm, and all my friends are like, oh my God, we, you know, everybody, about 30 people came to see me. And then, at the end of the thing, they brought these two little Irish step dancers on, and I said, this is it, I'm making my move. And I went on stage, we're all right, we're okay. I, got I, never, I never went back again for the final. I'm sorry. Another one of my successful alcoholic career moves. And, uh, I wasn't called back, but that was a good story. Well, I was stepped in and I'm pushing my way. All right, I wanted to come up, pick it up. And the people didn't even do Bring back Daisy. You know, like they say, the true stuff is. is, is... Well, just what I said, the true stuff's fun here than anything you can make up right oh, there, right? He, again. Just his life. I mean, he, and and I know I got to know him so well, and he regretted all those years of alcoholism. I think you know. I forget what he. Said. Well, you know, how funny. I just heard this actually. You know, Eddie Murphy, how he did a bunch of routines about his father being an alcoholic. He said when his father heard those routines, his mother was cracking up in the audience, and that's actually what got him to turn sober. His father never drank again after hearing those routines. His, his son making fun of him, you know, like that in a comedy routine. So you never know. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, it took Bobby. Bobby said, uh, yeah, I cut out the booze, but 
weed. <laughs> yeah, that's. I had my best friend was an alcoholic. God bless him. I ended up taking his life. He couldn't beat it. That that's the the downfalls of the disease. But yeah, it was yeah. Uh, I guess you're looking for something. You know, everybody's got something in life. You look to take the edge off. I mean, I use comedy. I mean, some use alcohol and some use weed. That's that's everybody needs yeah, something. Well, yeah. Well, he uh, he regretted it so much that nobody lived better or more or more intensely than Bobby Seidel. He right. traveled. He uh, he took, used to take um, st steamers, freight steamers. You know, um, ships to places like South America, they'd go off by himself. He'd, again, they were cheap. He'd get a, a room on a, an oil tanker right. and, and go off to South America and, and hike through Patagonia. I mean, he was just a madman. He was, he, he ingested every single second of his life. And, uh, you know, and, and scuba, he was, he was the ultimate Renaissance man. You know, as you hear in these clips, um, not only was he funny, he belonged to uh, Harvard's uh, astrophysics uh, club. He, he, he loved um, astrology. He, 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 had, he flew. He had a, a, a license to fly. Yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah, he, he played the piano. He, he was an artist, <laughs> okay? Uh, he, he, you know, a brilliant reader. A, a jazz aficionado. Every time there was a huge jazz convention or a concert, he was there. He well, I had that. Outside of comedy, he did what? He ran 17 Boston marathons, I heard. Oh, yeah. Uh, climbed That's mountains. He flew small planes. Like you said, scuba dived. I mean, he, he was a well-rounded person. I mean, which, which he, now you said he did some of this stuff by himself. Because I always want to take trips and, like, people don't want to go. I mean, it's like, I don't want to go by myself. But that's that's something to get out there and just do it by yourself, yeah. Oh God! He went to the Galapagos Islands. He uh, he was always, you know, and you you wonder, especially in these uh, these times, you know. So I think uh, you know we had a major shift in how the world revolved in the last year. Sure. And in fact, it was what wasn't it yesterday or the day before was the anniversary of the shutdown, the lockdown. Was it? And, I didn't uh, know that. Wow. You know, I remember we were on. Bobby was his own man. And he was going to live life his way. And he wasn't, we were going to a show down the Cape and it was during rush hour and we're jammed in traffic on route three with cars all around us. And he goes, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know why they live like this. Well, not for me. <laughs> and so he people ran. People are different. Yeah. He was, yeah. He was his own. Some people uh, love the hustle and bustle of the city, and some people can't wait to get their country and just leave the quiet lifestyle. Everybody's different. It's what you yeah, like. And, in life. You know, he came from, you know, when these three hours of tape, and, and I don't say it just because I, I was instrumental in making them, and but they should really be in the Library of Congress, not just for his uh, genius, but when, when we did them, he ran... She started right at the beginning. About at least in the Boston in the Comedy Hall of Fame, right? If there was a Boston Comedy Hall of Fame, you'd have to have this footage in there, oh, wouldn't you? God, it should be national. He right. he um, he talked about life in the fifties, and he talked about Lynn and growing up in in a place like Lynn, an urban setting, and you know, without even prompting him, he was talking right. about you know, um, knowing people who were into interact had interracial uh, 
relationships and all the different ethnicities, the Greeks, the Italians, the Germans. He was half German, half Russian. Uh, you know, he always made jokes about his mother <laughs> that she was a Hummel. She shrank to the size of a Hummel. Um, <laughs> Those are little statues for the kids who don't know what a Hummel is. Or yeah, a famous line of statues. German statues. Right. And, uh, well, okay, I'll do a story that uh, Don Gavin, another genius, uh, the Godfather, and, Boston Comedy. Yeah, yeah they, 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 the story went, uh, Gavin told me one time, he said, uh, you know, yeah, I love Bobby, but, uh, you know, we had a little problem, Bobby and I. He goes, uh, I, I called him one day, he says, uh, <laughs> I did this on stage when there was a toast to Don Gavin, and it had to be 500 people at uh, um, Boston's uh, Laugh, Laugh Boston. And uh, he called me like the day before just to invite me to go, but I reminded him of a story he told me about between him and Bobby. And uh, he says, you know, he says, I, 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 I got to the point, uh, I, I, I had a call. As, uh, people were saying to me, you know, are, are you doing Bobby's act or is Bobby doing your act? So I called him up mm. and I said, uh, Bobby, I got to something on something. What is it? What is it, Tony? You know, you know I love you. What, what's up? Uh, 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 you know, you, I stole it from somebody else. <laughs> Fifth grade right here. Wow. Yeah, exactly. So, 
walk with the comedy, yeah. Okay. Uh, Bobby goes, okay, I understand, but can I do it too? <laughs> <laughs> can I have my own act, please? Yeah. But that's that's Boston comedy. It's fifth grade all the way around. It really is, you know, but. Oh, God. Well, I did that. At the end of the night, I thought they weren't going to put me on. I've been standing there with Stephen right beside me. Gary right. Goldman was in town. It was a huge, huge tribute. And I felt so honored because when I got up there, the place just you got to take a chance, though. You took a chance, and I'm sure it went over good, right? Yeah. Oh, they just well, they I mean, loved it, right? Again, it's Bobby, you know, yeah. and it's Bobby, and it's the two brightest minds in Boston comedy, you know, Don Gavin and, and Bobby Seibel, you know, again, right. a total juxtaposition. Um, but that's, well, I mean, everything. He performed doing his 70s, right? I mean, he was well into his 70s, and he, even when he had uh, health problems, he still wanted to perform. Do you think it was in his blood, or...? Oh, yeah. Comedy's I mean, in your blood, you know. Just you know, we talked about this the first show. I mean, we don't have a choice. You think you have a choice, right. but you know, we're born to do this. I, I saw Carlin up at Hampton Beach about a month before he passed away, and I thought he was hunched over, he didn't move, but he still brought it funny as heck. And I thought, you know, this guy made the money; he could quit any time he wants to, but he don't want to quit. This is what he loves to do. Bobby it's was what, like that. He it's just what we all eat, sleep, breathe, you know, and you know we're. That we're born with that drive, you know. So I guess his signature routine was a bit about elderly drivers. Do you remember that one? Oh, oh, Cybell. Yeah, that was that was considered oh, his yeah. signature routine. As he, he did used a bit to about sit elderly. down in the chair and hit, hit turn the his back to the audience and sit down and say, so you, it looked as though you were looking, you were in the back seat looking over the driver's thing and hit, um, hit, <laughs> put his arms way up like he was. You know, like a little short, shrunken right, guy, right, right. Uh, holding onto the wheel, and he'd be, uh, you know, giving people the, the finger, and uh, yeah, it was. He it shrunk was down so low because the elderly people, he say, they get smaller in their seat. You drive by, you can't see no who the hell's driving the car. He says, <laughs> you yeah, can't see uh, nobody yeah. driving. He, uh, he, uh, he was a character. I mean, talk about his his uh, penny pinching, and he used to. <laughs> He told a story of working down at the, uh, the casino in, what is it, Twin Rivers in Rhode Island. And uh, he was told, <laughs> if there was a free, you know, the best part to him was not just a, a good show, but a free spread before mm -hmm. the show. And he would stock up. And he so he had a habit of, uh, in a, and I covered it in one of those sessions, I'll have to find it. I hope we do more on him because it's so priceless. He uh, he would steal toilet paper. Steal toilet paper? <laughs> yeah, he would go to hotels and steal the He's toilet He's getting paper. his money's worth, right? I'm taking something so he would steal. He would clean out not only the room, but if he could get to the... If you could get to the the cleaning lady's cart, take some of the soap, some of the shampoos, right? A couple of towels, if you can get away with and it. The sweet, and the sweet and lows. He used to take the sweet and lows. Sure. Worry, not, you know, not the sweet and lows. Why not? <laughs> it's there. You know, I said, yeah, but people are watching them. You know, would be at a gig. I said, they're all watching you, Bobby. I said, this is not a good impression. You know, they're paying us nice money, and you're, you're, you're still in the sweet and low. So. He tells the story of uh, being down there, and there was some event. They were in the green room or near it, and there was some event in one of the uh, dining halls or the entertainment halls. And the guy was picking up uh, the, the empties, like the Coke cans yep. and stuff. 
Can I have those? They're worth a nickel, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he, oh, he, 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 he got the guy out of it. So he's he's walking through. <laughs> Again, I've got this recorded at, on the studio, and he's walking through the, the casino with two bags, two big bags, and he's trying to talk Diana, his girlfriend, into grabbing one too, but she wouldn't. <laughs> and all you, hear, all you hear through the, the casino, they could hear him coming, clang, 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 But he didn't care. No and, shame. And, Some people got no shame. I know. My buddy well, was like well, that. And Diana told me later that, you know, we talked after he died. She said he'd store them up in the, in the house. Yeah. And then, you know, they li he lived in Newburyport. And the big the big trip on the weekend <laughs> was to load the car with all the empties and drive to Maine <laughs> so he could redeem them in Maine because they got more money in Maine. And along the way, he would go Route 1 so that he could avoid the tolls. <laughs> oh, boy. He had it all figured out, huh? You know, he, he, he pitched a penny oh. to, to the, the outpost. Let's play and, another uh, clip here. You ready? Sure. Let's do another let's one. Let's do another one. Here we go. See what genius we got in this clip. Well, now I'm seeing an hourglass. Here it comes, I think. You can create, you know, you can write stuff down, but when you talk from the top of your head and people go like, wow. <laughs> I'm telling you, oh, here's one. The booze thing. We had an argument over in the heart. There used to be a place called the Bayside Inn, and the pier ran off from the club, and the pier ran into the ocean. It was January. I'm with uh, four of my buddies, and we're all drinking out. I'm a whiskey drinker. Beer, wine, and they used to call coffee sombrero, you know, with the milk. And then I'd go, can you darken it up? You know, it was too late. But I'm drinking one night, and I had a wager with my friends. I said, I bet you that whiskey is like antifreeze in a vehicle. If you drink whiskey, you don't, you will not have a problem with cold. And I'll prove it, and I'll... I'll drink whiskey and I'll go in and take a dive. It was like right after a blizzard. True story, and the guys are going, yeah. So they uh, walked me down to the pier, and I had enough whiskey in me. I was gone. And I was in my underwear when I used to wear it. And, and I was in my underwear. I dove into the ocean immediately. Cardiac arrest. I'm exaggerating, but I went into shock. They pinned me out. I was like frozen steps. I had turned every color of blue or purple. They had the Nahant ambulance came down and brought me to the hospital. Brought me out. So the, it was a, and I lost the 10 bucks then. <laughs> Those are your friends for you right there. They're going to let you do something like that when you're drunk, right? Those are your best friends for, for life right there. I mean, have you ever heard anything funnier? I mean, you, you've, I just heard you say, announce 100 shows, right? You have 100 shows? Yeah, 102 this episode okay. is, yeah. Have you ever, in 100 shows, have you ever heard anything funnier than that? Yeah, no, that's, that's, I can relate to that, though, because your friends think it's a good idea. I'm going to get drunk on Wednesday and drunk on All right, let's do it, man. All right, let's see it. I'm in, I'm in. Let's don't try to and talk no can, sense into the guy, man. You know, those are your and friends. You can just picture him in his underwear in the middle of January. Right. And, and Lynn jumping off the pier of the 
me, I heard when the Titanic sank, I heard like the kitchen cook, he took like the cooking sherry or the vodka, he got drunk and they said that was how he survived. He thinned out his blood so much that he survived in the icy water because it didn't freeze his blood. So when he was telling the story, I'm thinking it's going to work out for him, maybe, but I guess not. Uh, he, he was, the, like I said, the ultimate, what does he say at the end? And I lost the 10 bucks. Lost the 10 bucks on top of everything else. You know, the fact that he went to the hospital, the fact that he almost died, that wasn't what really held in his mind. What really got me was I had to pay him 10 bucks. Huh? 10 bucks. I mean, Jack, I was a Jack Benny, you know, made his own career. He branded himself with being the cheapskate. You right. know, your money or your life. And then just big pause, and they're going, well, well, I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Let me choose. All right. Well, was, you know, there were other guys who paid tribute to him. Now, I'll read you a quote here, and you tell me what you think of this quote. Uh, Lenny Clark, who's, you know, he's the representative of Boston comedy right now, the biggest name in Boston comedy. After Bobby died, he put out a quote, I'm a better guy for having known Bob Seibel. So what, what do you think of that quote? Without a doubt. I mean, like I said, if, you know, I can imagine myself going up to the pearly gates and God going, eh, you know, we'll give you a special. If you want to go back, what, what week of your life would you... And I would say, uh, I, I, I want to go back to, to Prague with Bobby for a week. I thought that, because you sound like you consider yourself a better person for having known Bobby, for oh, sure, it, right? It was, it was, I mean, yesterday, to prepare those clips, first of all, I wanted to do it right. I mean, no guy deserves a tribute right. more than he does. So I, I didn't want it just to be me telling stories about him. <clears throat> I wanted the audience to hear to know, him. Right, yeah. And, and so I sat there. Now, I'm still laughing today over the same bit. I I had to trim those and edit those. Right. And so I had to get the trimming. I, I must have listened to each one of those at least five times every single time. That's when you I know laugh. a joke's good, when you can hear it a second time and still laugh just as hard as you did the first time. You know, it, when a joke it, never gets old, right? Well, well, I think we talked the first time we met that the, the real comedians, the real, the guys who do last, the guys that make it a career, the guys that do movies, the guys that go down in history, are the characters. They're not just, they don't just deliver a monologue. Right. They're characters, you know, and, uh, you know, Robin Williams was a million different characters, but, you know, Steve Martin was the wild and crazy guy. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's Sam Kennison was the screamer, you know, so, um, it's those guys that stand apart. Get remembered, you know, Billy, right? You know, and so with Bobby, he was all, <laughs> he was walking comedy. Everything about him was this was character. Comedy, right? this, yeah, well, I'll give this, you his own words here. Now you respond to this. A month before Bobby died, he wrote this. He quote, "Hearing from my peeps, it's already open season on Cybell's bits, which means I must have been a pretty good comic." So he's saying he's about to pass away. He knows that everybody already wants to steal his material. So what do you? What's your response to that? <laughs> well, like I said, he, uh, you know, he he, he really had an, an amazing heart, but he didn't mind uh, shooting, you know, at people that he didn't like. Right. Uh, and uh, so yeah, he's, uh, you know, when he called me up to invite me to go to. Uh, I, I was fortunate. I retired early in my life from the corporate world, and uh, so and I, one of my dreams was to go on one of these trips that he was taking. So he, he called me up and said, uh, "Tommy, I got a deal. We can go to uh, Prague. Jack Republic. 
to get this. 500 bucks. Uh, we get uh, airfare, uh, transfers to the hotel, breakfast every day, of a half day tour of the city, <laughs> but we gotta do double occupancy. Otherwise, it's 550 bucks. <laughs> like an idiot. <laughs> he sucked me in. I think, yeah, well, I'll, <laughs> why waste the 50 bucks? I'll, I'll get the room with him. <laughs> so, <laughs> and which turned out to be add so much to the whole thing about you know doing that so but so the hotel that he got was six miles out of the city <laughs> <laughs> it looked like a dot in the horizon it would be like uh where, where, where would it be? it'd be like we were in Braintree. you spent as much in gas getting to the city as you probably saved on the hotel right <laughs> and, and, well that's the best part I, I was willing you know we started taking the metro he talked me into the metro but then he didn't want to pay the 25 cents or whatever the hell it was. I mean, we're not, we're talking exchange rate here. I mean, ridiculous. It's a, you know, it's an Eastern Bloc country coming out of communism. They didn't have a lot of money. Right. So it was, so it was like 25 cents for the thing. Hit run. <laughs> That's the other thing. It was a runner. Like you said, hit run the six miles. <laughs> oh, boy. So we One night I got a cab. And, and he got out of it. He was mad at me because I, I, he said, what is, what are you spending so much money for? <laughs> so he got out and he ran home. <laughs> oh, jeez. And uh, so, I mean, it, but it started right away. We got to, uh, I got to the airport and I walk in and he's already there. And he's at the gate and he's got bandages all over his face and he's black and blue. <laughs> oh, boy. So, I said, I said, Jesus Christ, Bobby. I said, what the hell happened to you? I took a flying lesson. I said, what? Did you crash I, or what? I chartered a plane. I said, well, I want you to crash? No, no, no. I had, you gotta, before you can take it up, you got to inspect it. I said, yeah. Well, you know, you got to check the wing flaps. You got to check the tires. You got to check the gas. Yeah. I walked into the wing. <laughs> Oh, brother. <laughs> I, said, I can picture yeah, that happening in my head. That's the same part. He said, so, yeah, Jesus, I whacked it out because, I mean, I fell right back down on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so now I, got, now I got blood. Now here, listen, listen to the, the importance of this. Here we go. I got blood squirting out of my nose. <laughs> I got black and blue. And he says, and uh, I'm pissed because... <laughs> I'm wasting time. It's sixty bucks an hour for the plane. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the clock is running. <laughs> I was going to ask, did he still take the lesson? I guess he did. That wasn't slowing him down at all, right? <laughs> the clock Bloody nose, running. black eye. I'm still going for it. So, so, so I run into the, uh, to, to the terminal, and everybody saw it. And they're all laughing and clapping for me. <laughs> was a character till the end. Oh my god. I mean, and that was like nothing. Oh, and, uh, many you know, stories. We, uh, so I said to him, one day we were back down in town in Prague itself, and I'm looking at these beautiful mansions that are 
like uh, they're not they didn't have Airbnb at the time, so, but they were B and B. These gorgeous things. And he says to me, <laughs> "You know, we could have stayed in one of these <laughs> <laughs> someday, right? Someday for, for twenty five dollars more for the week." <laughs> <laughs> I want to spend an extra 25 bucks. I'm like, you bastard. You son of a bitch. <laughs> you put us out there for over 25 measly dollars, right? <laughs> we were, the thing was like 30 stories high. The hotel was staying in. I mean, everybody there was from a third world country. Uh, you know? <laughs> and, and we had to stay. Buy stay whatever you want for 25 bucks. bucks. He wants to save it. I don't know. Now, do you know Jay Rodriguez? He's a comedian locally. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice guy. Well, now, Jay Rodriguez said he came up with Jay Leno. Now, he did a lot of shows with Jay before he hit it big. And he said once Jay Leno got the Tonight Show, he's like, hey, you're going to have me on or what? And Jay said, well, you know, if I have you on, i got to have every other guy I came up with on, so I can't do it, you know? So, I mean, you know, right. Jay had got too big, you know, where he would have liked, you know, he still loved his friends, but he couldn't have paid tribute to him by having him on now. Now, we mentioned earlier, Dane Cook, one of the biggest comedians out of Boston, and, you know, probably in comedy at the time, when Bobby passed away, he took time out of his schedule to pay tribute and put a nice post out to, you know, Bobby. I mean, what kind of respect do you think that is, that one of the biggest names in comedy would take time out and pay tribute well, to a local and, comic? And again, I mean, that's just, how could you not love Bobby? I mean, he just, he brought sunshine into everybody's life. Uh, nobody ever forgot him. Right. Uh, you know, he... Uh, well, can you imagine Dane Cook's schedule? It's got to be every minute's accounted for. I mean, to take the time out and say, hey, i got to oh, take exactly. the time out to pay I mean, tribute to a local comedian, yeah, you know? Nice gesture. I mean, and again, Lenny, you know, everybody, right. you know. Uh, why don't you play another clip? We'll see Let's play another clip. Us. All right, here we go. Let's see what we got on this one. More of the genius of Bob Seibel right here. It's coming up, and uh... uh, the next the next day, maybe a week later, I would do the priming up in the afternoon. So by the time you know, I didn't have a vehicle; I'd be in the back seat. And by the time uh, we got to the house to go and look in the back, door, <laughs> and I always wondered. And then another night, my buddy Ronnie would pick me up to go pick up my date. Because I had no gas. I give you a buck for gas. Because in those days it was a quarter a gallon. A quarter a gallon for gas. I give you a buck to pick up this girl for me and take her to the club. Now, you ready? Oh God, I laughed at myself. We went to a place called Frank Seagull and Lynn, and in the back was a big lounge called Leopard Lounge. And at that particular night, the Greek band, the Greek music was playing. And this girl and me and my friend Ronnie, who was a good-looking kid, cool kid, and I'm all buffed, drunk, and so I'm going to impress her. I'm actually out of the for by myself <laughs> to show her what a great Greek, because I grew up in a Greek neighborhood, what a great Greek dancer I was. I got the handkerchief, and as close as I could get to a Greek dancer, it looked like a cha-cha. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's giving him her phone number and address. <laughs> So now, the night's over, she wants to go home, I wonder why. And so I said to Ronnie, drop me at my mother's house, pull in the driveway, so I want to go in and steal some money off my mother's pocket, and I had more money. So I would come in the house, I'd do this, I learned it in the, in the army, it's called low crawl. I'd be low crawl, up to the bed, and the pocketbook, I went up. And the nightlight went on, and her cane came down on my legs. I, I had like severe concussion, but I got the ten bucks. 
and crawl out with the blood on my head. <laughs> and this girl is like, please get me home. So, when I get out, he's kissing her. He's smooching in the front seat. I went, my best friend, you'd be crazy. And he said, I'm ridiculous. So he brought the rock. And she said, I'll, I'll see myself to the door. True story. Now, we're coming home, and I'm giving them the drunk. And how could you betray me? Shut up, you're obnoxious, you drunk. We got to a place in Lynn where there was a bridge and a red light. I got out of the car, and I laid in front of the car. Kill me! Kill me! He backed up the truth up. It was raining. Two and a half miles to get to my house. I want to wrap up walk back. Well, you can hear how much he cracks you up. All you hear is you laughing in the background the whole time, you know? See, I've been in situations just like, get me the hell out of this situation. I can picture it, you know. Itself. Geez, they could have made a movie about this guy. But, uh... Well, you know, I, that's what I'm hoping someday. I mean, I would love to do, you know, a one-man show about him. I mean, I, right. I could just take off extemporaneously. And, well, I can and see what you said, though. He openly talks about being an alcoholic, which a lot of people, you know, they don't like to talk about it, but he was pretty open about it, I'm seeing from these oh, clips. but uh... God. He just, uh, you know, we, we were in, <laughs> you, know, and I, you know, I just don't have a problem with alcohol, I can drink it, take it or leave it, but right. I love to have a drink. And so I, in Prague, I was to have amazing beer, and he just he just looked at me and goes, can I, can I just sniff that? <laughs> <laughs> and, I don't want any, I just want to remember what it's like, right? And I said something to him, like, well, take take a sip. I'm like, oh, no, you don't want me to do that. Oh, no, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't want me to do that. Yeah, once you get going, there's no stopping. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm like that with food. I, can't, I mean, I'm addicted to food, and I've been on a diet lately. Then I work with a guy who eats four candy bars for lunch and don't gain a pound on him. It's like, you son of a bitch. So I can relate with the booze. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The, uh, 
just uh, like you said. Now I watched like again yesterday. I laughed to, to tears all day yesterday watching those, and I just laughed again. Yeah. I mean the the that scene. He he paints such a picture when he tells the story about him being in the back seat dancing. Yeah, on yeah, yeah. He was a good storyteller. He makes you feel like you're actually there, right? Yeah. Oh, and then getting out of the car and yeah. lying down on the bridge. <laughs> Well, I had him on my old TV show at LTV that I did, and uh, we were roasting Jerry Caruso, a mutual friend of ours, and he, he was closing out the show for us, and, you know, we were each paying tribute to Jerry, and I said, you know, Jerry gave me my break in comedy, and he taught me, you know, I was going through a tough divorce, it was tearing me apart, but Jerry taught me to comedy, you know, how to laugh at the painful situation in my life, and Bobby just chimed in, sure, 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 like, now I'm seeing why he can relate to that, I think he used comedy to battle his... His demons from alcohol, I think, yeah. Oh, absolutely. He just had that ability to... Uh, to laugh to about it. Himself. Yeah, he could separate himself to look at it. Like, during that, the, those three hours, and it was so easy to do. All I had to do was introduce him. Right. And, I, and shut up. That's all I had to do. And he would go from one to the other to the other, always laughing at himself. And I mean, take contrast to, to, to today, where nobody can laugh at themselves because they get upset. Offended by everything. We talked about that. I know it's a crazy. Yeah, exactly. It's hurting comedy too. It really is hurting comedy. You can't even when you can't go up there and be yourself. You got to think about every word's coming out of your mouth, and just it takes away. You shouldn't have to think. You just go up there and make people laugh. But well, look. I mean, just look at um, look at the life he lived. Because he was able to do that, you know, mm -hmm. he he made himself the ultimate character, laughed at himself, not you know doing it to, you know, he would have loved. He always told me he would have loved to have made it big, but like, would he do anything to do that? Would he pay a couple of bucks for it? <laughs> well, you know, you hear from these big guys, and they tell you, you know, making it big ain't the funnest thing. It's the journey getting there, and it's like oh, yeah, he enjoyed so every part of the journey. You can tell whether he made it big or not. You know, I think, I think the people who you know, myself included, that I had opportunities to maybe go national. And I realized what was more important, you know, my family, my kids. Right. Uh, I didn't want to be on the road every night and have two daughters growing up. And I, I uh, had Bill Campbell on the post, and he said the, on the podcast, he said the exact same thing. I'm like, you know, all these guys from the Ding Ho, when you were there, they wanted to be big. Did you ever regret it? And he said, no, I put my family first, and I'll never regret it, you know. Absolutely, yeah. you know, and so, uh, so, you know, Bobby had his, you know, he had his relationship, he had horrible times about with women, horrible, you know, I was so glad that he and Diana did so well at the end, and, uh, and she just loved his insanity, she embraced it all, a lot of them just couldn't right. take it. <laughs> I finally found a girl like that myself who understood me. When you can find someone who understands you, that, that's half the goal in life, you know? So. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Huh. Um, so have we got another one? I think yeah, let's play one. it out. I was just thinking that same thing. Let's play it out. we got two left. Let's let's play one more here and then right. see what this goes. I got my pilot license to fly Cessna 172. I called my friend Ronnie, who used to drink again. He knows I'm sober. I said, Ronnie, I, I got my pilot's license. You want to go flying? He goes, I wouldn't get in a simulator with you. You find a way to get that? It's insane. It's totally insane. I'm telling you. And you know what's funny? When you're in that, 
you hang with nuts. Because all of my friends are legally should be in this place. You know, I mean, most of my friends are all nutcases. They're all nuts. When I think of a crazy lunatic that I hung with all my life, and I say to myself, my God, that a lot of us are still around, a lot of us aren't still around, but some of the things that have, you know, like my friend Peter who lives in Florida, got the greatest sense of humor. I would call him and go, Peter, you're my best friend, you know what he's doing? Assumptions, assumptions. <laughs> and then once when I flew to Orlando, they picked me up because I lived in Melbourne. And they picked me up in Melbourne and Peter uh, was sitting shotgun and Mary Lou was like, I haven't seen him in a few years. And I reached over and hugged him in the, uh, by the back and I go, Peter, you've been counting the hours. He goes, I am now. How can you talk to It's just incredible humor. And, and, and the funny thing, like you know as a stand-up, a lot of the stuff we talk about, death, divorce, disease, is tragedy. Yet you spin it. And people pay to see it and laugh and go, what am I laughing at? You lost the body time, that's funny, right? I mean, he got the voice, he lost money, that's funny, right? Guy loses his leg, that's funny. What? I mean, the human brain is so weird that you can that fine line between tracks and garbage. It's incredible, isn't it? That you can tell people stuff, like when you're on stage, I listen to you and I know that's all true and I go, they're all laughing. And I talk about the alcohol and the other stupid stuff that I did. And I go like, they're all laughing. Hey, guys, guys, guys. <laughs> thank God. Huh? Uh, thank God that uh, whatever that mechanism is in the brain that makes it humorous, uh, it, it's so funny. Well, look at, you know, like tragedies, like Lincoln's assassination. There were jokes about that a few years later. Oh, yeah. Remember that too? Take it apart. Remember that one? Hey, you know, and, and there was some, uh, in my period of history, and there were some things that were, I wasn't comfortable with, but people get, got assassinated and stuff. But as history goes on, it seems to be a buffer. Of course. You know, hundreds of years of life. I think Chaplin said uh, in, uh, in life that also becomes comedy because in the long shot, it's all comedy. In the close-up, it's tragedy, but in the long shot, it's always comedy. Amazing. Funny you bring up Charlie Chaplin. If anybody out in that audience ever heard of a song called Smile, Smile, though your heart is breaking, Smile, even though it's aching. Lyrics, Charlie Chaplin says. Charlie Chaplin. Well, he wrote the score. He wrote the genius. He wrote the score to his movies. Nobody could do that. Brilliant man. Brilliant man. Again, had some tragedy in his life, too, but... Like you say, from your looking in the overview, it's uh, it's amazing how things can just make you. I, I, you know, yesterday. Laugh at my pain. I guess that's what comedy is, right? <laughs> Laugh well, at my well, pain. I mean, you know, we we touched on that, but I mean, again, I must have seen that eight times yesterday, and he's such a genius. His cadence. Uh, his timing, his emphasis. His delivery. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, like he's saying. <laughs> he's saying, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm talking about this and that, and he says, and then I'm watching you, Tommy, and you're on stage, <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> he says, I'm trying to figure it out. You know, you're talking about a divorce, and they're laughing at you. <laughs> laugh with me, laugh at me, whatever gets the yeah. laugh, right? And, and he's saying, and he's saying. It's not funny. 
laughing. It's painful to him, but hearing the story, it's it's funny, right? Yeah, and he says, you know, you tell him about you lost a leg, we're not laughing. He goes, that's not funny. (laughs) (laughs) If you can laugh about it, the people think it's okay to laugh about it, right? Yeah. Exactly, and and, you know, he's absolutely right that the sicker it is, the more tragic it is. The more we laughed, you know, it's especially at somebody else's pain. Sure, and, yeah. And, but you know, I, I mean, it just even brought tears to my eyes listening to sing. He had a beautiful voice, and how he broke into, you know, smile. Right. You know, he, he not only mentioned the song, but he and he was so musical, and um, he used to end his shows with uh, "Let the Times Roll," and he would do it a cappella, and he would just get everybody right. out of their minds and, and saying, you know, come on, everybody, clap his hands, let's go. We're going to make the good times roll, good times roll. I remember uh, I was at a convenience store one time, and I opened the door, and somebody talked to me. I turned around to talk, turned back around to go out, and the door hit me right in the forehead, and it hurt. And I saw a lady in a car was cracking up, and I'm like, you know this bitch, I just hurt myself. Don't find out if I'm okay or not. Instead, she's laughing. And then later I thought about it, I'm like, well, you know, if I was sitting in the car... I'd have been laughing too. Okay, now I get it. So I can understand. Well, I mean, what was you know what were the first silent movies with, with Charlie Chaplin? It was all about people getting hit and hurt and the Three Stooges. Uh, yeah, I mean slapstick comedy. Sure. You know, Gavin used to do a thing. You know, it's really funny to see somebody uh, you know fall. You know, especially if I, you know, when they get up and there's a bone sticking out of their ass. <laughs> <laughs> Something really different, different selves, right? I'd, I'd love to see spontaneous combustion. Uh, <laughs> oh. You'll see somebody bust in the fucking flame. <laughs> it's, 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 it's an art form, it is. Let me read this for you. This is from Paul D'Angelo, another big name in Boston comedy. He wrote this about Bobby. Uh, Bob does more than anyone for people. He has a big heart. He's genuine, amazing. One of the first people to be nice to me in the business. Uh, he's one of the most wonderful guys in the world. He's out of his mind. Well, what's your oh, opinion yeah. on that statement? Well, he, he and Paul, would, well, that's where I first found out. Uh, they tried to get me to go on a fishing trip with them. Paul had a boat, and I guess it was a good-sized boat, and they, you know, a bunch of comics went out. Bobby was one of them. <laughs> okay. He goes, Paul goes, yeah, but when he came back in the shore, he says, oh, Bobby collected all of the cans and put them in a green bag. And he, he drove, in the summertime, he never drove a car, he drove his motorcycle. And he, uh, <laughs> and there's Bobby going down the road. <laughs> you couldn't even see him. He had so many garbage bags on the thing full of... On his way to Maine. Here's <laughs> a classic. I mean, think of this. I mean, if you, who can write a character like that to begin with? And then to, to uh, animate him with the crazy situations that he would between the voice was funny, uh, his mannerisms. He, he had a, you know, he was very lanky, he was very athletic. Had the whole package, right? Yeah. Oh God, he, you know, like I said, uh, I think the first one that when he said that I'm a better man. I haven't I known him. Certainly, right, yeah. I mean, I think of the last, and we haven't even touched on the rest of the stories I have about him. Um, you know, do you want to play the last one? You yeah, let's play this? the last one here. And, uh, we're getting over an hour here, so let's, uh, yeah, let's, yeah. let's play this one and we'll wrap it up. How's that sound? Let's see. We could go on all day, but I think they're getting the gist of it. Yeah. Some of the stuff, like with the amputation, I don't know if that can go, but 
Alcohol. Again, I walked through a glass door. And the finger was there, and I went through the glass door. And my dear wife, Candy, called the police. Ambulance came. They brought the finger and the napkin and me laying on the, on the slab there on the ambulance where they are, the gurney, whatever they call it. And then we're going across from the hospital, hospital, and I'm laying there, no idea that this happened. And I'm singing Sinatra. <laughs> I've got you, and I'm drunk out of my mind. The party's still going on. I have no clue that I gave up a body part there, but Pam <laughs> is in the ambulance with my finger in a napkin going like this. <laughs> He was able to laugh at himself, that's for sure. Nothing oh, else. Boy. I can imagine. He says, and, and again, the phrasing. He, he walks through, he's drunk. He walks through a glass door, loses his finger, cuts the tip of his fingers off. <laughs> and and, and he's, he doesn't even know it. He's so drunk, he's so, right? And, he's, and then he says, I just, I just lost a body part. <laughs> <laughs> singing Sinatra songs. And his wife is crying. I mean, can you imagine filming this stuff? You know, yeah, his yeah. It's, it's, it's a movie he in the loves, writing. He just loves life. And the, the, the EMT's going, he's, he's crazy. He just won't rule the dinosaur. He's just drunk. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I, t I hope, I, 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 not only today, but the... the the full day that I spent with him yesterday, and it was so sentimental, and so he was alive again. He was, right. by watching these videos, he came alive. You know, when I, Diana thanked me so much for making those, because after he passed... Oh, they mean so me, much, sure. She, oh, yeah. she, she watched them, she watched them all day long. Over well, you know, over guys over. our age, we get it. We need to know the history of comedy. You know, that's what makes you a better person, makes you a better comic. But these kids these age, you know, I hope they listen to this podcast and they realize the genius of this guy that, you know, you're not only a better person, you're a better comic for knowing what came before you. And certainly this guy struck so many lives in the Boston community. He's worth worth learning about. He's worth spending the time to, to study his life, you know. And if, you know, and let me give a plug for those. There's six half-hour um, YouTube videos, and all you got to do is uh, either my name, Tom Hayes, Bobby Seidel, whatever, Bobby Seidel, and they'll come up. And if you don't, as a comedian, sit and, and ingest those things, you're missing out. You now, what was the name of the show out. you had him on? What was the name of that show? Uh, Upbeat. Um, Upbeat with Tom Hayes. Okay, so that's the same as your podcast. You had the TV show yeah, with the same exactly. name? You know, in fact, it was funny. I took a video course at uh, Boston Neighborhood, uh, uh, and uh, one of the where in a took in a video course. The, the, the guy teaching said, "Howdy, man!" He goes, "How'd you ever get that name?" He says, "That's a that's a corker," and it is because that's what you know. That's what I try to live every day is trying to keep things upbeat. And Bobby, nobody did it better. Best way to did. live your life, sure. 
All right, so uh, sadly, I mean, he was in his 70s. Uh, you know, it's a natural part of life, passing away. Something's going to get you. I know uh, heart well, trouble runs in my sad. family. Eventually, yeah. my heart's going to get me, but he uh, uh, he contracted was, brain cancer, as we talked about. Well, he, you know, and, and I, you know, he was so good about it at the end. I said, uh, he really did. I mean, talk about manifesting. Um, you know, you mentioned Kennison talking about drunk guys, and he gets killed right. that way. Bobby was serious. He was petrified of cancer. Yeah. And, you know, he would just talk about it all the time. And um, like he said, when he said to me, I know I got it. I just can't find the freaking thing. And he really did. And, and then when he got the irony was, and I said it to him, I said, Bobby, I said, you spent 20 years looking at for, for it in your colon. Eventually you're going to find said, it, right? And I said the irony was it was in your head. Mm -hmm. I mean, figuratively and 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 realistically, I says it was in your head the whole time. And uh, you're right, <laughs> he said. You know. Well, you know, but, Boston lost a great comic, but I think more than that, we lost a great uh, person. You know, he's, overall. He's but, immortal. Uh, you know, his spirit. When he died, for for weeks, when I would wake up, there was just he. When he vacated the planet, there was a void. And I could feel it. The, the world right. had lost, lost an amazing energy source. You lost and a Picasso. You lost a, a, a Mona. Uh, with, without the, the spirit that that man gave to the world. And, um, and I hope we do this again because, first of all, he deserves it. Second of all, it's, it's, uh, if the, those who are listening, if they get it, they'll understand the genius of this guy and right. what it takes to be not only a genius in comedy, but to be a genius in, in being human um, and to come to the planet and give way more than, than you took. You take, uh, right. uh, so let's please do it again. I've got... You well, know, I'll leave you with this quote. Place. I think Mike, Mike McDonald gave this quote, and I think he said it best after his passing. The, um, the Boston community has lost... Our great friend Bob Seibel, smile for him because that's what he'd want. So, you know, yeah. he, he wouldn't want you to be down. He'd want you to laugh and smile. Oh, and, absolutely. You know, that's what he'd want. So. <laughs> absolutely. Now, he's but, your friend, a close friend. I'll give you the final word here. If you want the listeners to know something about Bobby, what would you want them to know about him? Uh, <laughs> um, just, you know, I don't know. We've, we've really covered we've it covered all. We've covered it all. The, uh, the, the it, it will tell a whole story about he, he had a he had a terrible situation happen up at the Balsams that he he thought ruined his career <laughs> and uh, his joke I'll, I'll just give his joke the thing that got him fired there he used to do a joke about and this is again this is Bobby this is the hypochondric Bobby one of those lines he says I have an annual physical every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Annual every two weeks. <laughs> I get an annual every two weeks. And he did. I mean, he was always getting checked out. Sure. And um, so he said, you know, so the, in the exam, you know, the doctor put on the glove and did that thing, you know. And he said, I had polyps. I said, I want a second opinion. So we used two fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and, Nothing strange going on there. <laughs> and then the joke got him fired. At the balsams. Oh, gee, and, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and so we'll we'll tell that story hopefully the next time because it was a ten year um, 
what can I say? Uh, pilgrimage. It was a love fest. It was a love fest between you guys. He agonized for 10 years over that fact and then finally got back there. And it's a hysterical, hysterical story that uh, we'll tell the next time. So well, I'll say this. If you ever work the show, you got some comics who, like, if you're opening for them, they'll give you restrictions. you got to work clean, or you can't say this. You gotta, I'll say this about Bobby. He never gave me any restrictions. He didn't care what you did. He knew he was going to nail it no matter what you did. So, well, you know, there it is. Uh, Dave, Dave Russo and I had this conversation one time. When, you know, when Dave was first coming on, and Dave was, you know, he, just as hysterical as he is now. And he says, uh, he said the same thing to me. He says, how come you're not uh, you don't. You're not telling me I can't do this. This. I said. Uh, I said if I can't follow you, I shouldn't be the headline. There you go. And uh, I said. Uh, I said I just think it's. I said evidently, those headliners that that need to tell the acts before them that they can't do. They're obviously afraid. Yeah, don't be and, funny, so I can be. Uh, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. So you know, I have no. No, no respect for any of that. Right. I mean, you know, there's a there's a point. You don't want a guy dropping the f bomb every, you know, or dropping his trowel or anything. But you just, you, you know, come on. If you can't follow the guy, you don't belong there. Right. He but he belonged because he never said any of it, so he knew he belonged. So. Oh God, when he when he took that stage, uh, it's it was everything magic, changed. Right? Yeah. Well, Tom, it sounded like you two had a great friendship. I want to uh, thank you for sharing that best. with me. I really do appreciate it. You shared it with me and you shared it with the listeners. And uh, long live the name Bobby Seibel. Thanks for being on Funny the Clown Podcast. And, and really, I hope we do another one because we can do countless <laughs> on this guy. We could go man. on and on forever. He was that legendary. All yeah. right, thanks for calling in. Stay safe. Thanks, Dennis. We'll Appreciate talk soon. It. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, Thomas Hayes on comedian Bobby Seibel. And, you know, we said it throughout the podcast that there was not a more loved man in, in Boston comedy than Bob Seibel. And, that, you know, if you're not in the comedy world, you don't realize how hard of a thing that is to do. Because when you're in comedy, you have your circles, and you have to be in that circle. And some people love you, some people hate you. To get everybody to love you, it's a very challenging thing to do. And he had that spirit, he has that charisma about him, and uh, what a great guy. No no comedy's past, and he's a big part of Boston comedy past. This is Final Clown Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Worth. Thank you for tuning in, and... Hopefully we'll keep Boston Comedy going with this podcast because a lot of great stuff to learn. And I'm having fun doing the podcast, learning it. And I hope you're having fun learning it with me. Long live laughter. Good night.